you got to take a look at the stats. If you look at the stats here, you'll notice that 98%. (laughs) 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 Yeah, okay, here we go. I didn't yell anybody today, which is uh, impressive. I thought you were going to go after the guy uh, shining his light, the flashlight. What guy? There was a guy behind us with his flashlight on. I didn't even notice. I was so enthralled by the movie. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling, scene 34, take 303, mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by 4-Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm J.P. Brooks. We're talking everything film and television, and today we are talking about Saw X and Exorcist Believer. But first, in cinematic news. Cinematic news! So I told you this was going to happen the moment... It was about to happen. We could have jumped on this, but you told me no because it would be too insensitive. Ocean Gate, the movie, <laughs> is officially in development. I told this kid when it happened, we should do a short film. Even the, like the week it happened. So, <laughs> so that, that could have been the problem. That could have been the problem. Families are mourning the loss. Nick's like, we should capitalize. <laughs> Because I knew it was going to be a thing. Yeah, not surprised. So, yeah, there's a writer attached and everything. That Have we just lost the ability to empathize with anyone or have any respect? Like, it's literally... The, the there are a few terms that have come out. Most of them I don't like. Here's one that I don't. Go get that bag. What bag? Whose bag? What's it... I don't, there's something about it. Go get the bag that just feels dirty. If I were maybe a lesser player, I would have been like, hey, Nick, let's go get that bag and write about the tragedy that is eight people, five people internally exploding underneath 13,000 feet of water. I feel like I'd be a dirtbag. <laughs> there's only one good phrase to come out in the last few years, and that is, let them cook. That is a very good phrase. One of the phrases I really like. Anyway. Should have let me cook. But anyways, uh, the Marvels is the shortest Marvel movie in MCU history. Fifty minutes, hour and forty-five. Is that really the shortest? Yeah the the record was set by I think the Incredible Hulk, which was two hours and two minutes. Is that the one with Edward Ed, Norton? Edward Norton. Yeah. I didn't realize all Marvel movies are more than two hours. Wow. Also in MCU news. X-Men is uh, in development, but without Wolverine. Without, what's his face or just the character? Just the character. Why? I, I, I applaud them for this, though, because I think it's in the same token that we can't have another Iron Man like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Yeah. The same way Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Well, at least right now. Also, Mean Girls the Musical is coming to movie theaters really wow i'm not gonna go watch that in january so i mean this is that they've been doing it like in secret for a little while and now it's coming out in a few months i've only watched one broadway musical on tv before which one was that it was hamilton during the pandemic because i that's when we thought well we'll never be outside again so might as well watch hamilton while i can so and how was it it was all right it was good but it was all right all right well, today we're talking about Saw X, directed by Kevin Grutert, and starring Tobin Bell, Shawnee Smith, Sanov Makoti Lund, Stephen Brand, Renata Vaca, and Michael Beach. Saw X follows the story of John Kramer trying to cope with uh, the state of his cancer, uh, of his illness. When he finds out that there might be a cure, he travels off the grid uh, to Mexico. Mm-hmm. travels to mexico to try to receive an operation and after the operation is done he finds out it has all been a big scam so john kramer in his typical saw fashion takes revenge in a very special way and uh this is the second movie this year that is the 10th movie in its franchise also with x in its name yes saw x fast x and dare i say this was the better of the x movies to start us off i definitely I agree but before we get into that, uh, there is a chart I've been hearing about, very excited for. It's not often we get charts on this channel, on this podcast, but when they're here, I'm ready for it. And it's usually made by you talking to me. 
And it's always handwritten. Yes. Uh, what do you got for me? So we got this bad boy right here. Oh, okay. Right off the bat, there's a lot more arrows. <laughs> a lot more arrows. A lot more arrows than Fast X. <laughs> okay. All right. So first off, there's a few different things going on here. Okay. One, we have the timeline of the films. Because similar similar to the Fast and the Furious franchise, they do weave in and out of each other. Already off the bat, though, a lot of them are numbered, which is great. Yes. I And I'm assuming the numbers are in order chronologically. Most of them. So it actually is more linear than Fast and the Furious. <laughs> okay. All right. So we got Jigsaw, which is the prequel. When did that come out? That came out... That I think that was like one of the last movies. Like more, more recent. So it would have okay. been like technically like Saw 8. Okay. Then you have yeah. uh, Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, the final chapter. And they stuck with it almost um this also was released in 3d and then you have the spin-off which was spiral which takes place in the world of saw but doesn't actually contain the saw universe yeah okay the sawverse and uh now then we have saw x which obviously i didn't get a chance to update but it probably sits somewhere between saw one and two one and two or two and three depending on uh the significance of the post-credit sequence because you, the guy that shows up spoiler alert uh is right over here hoffman hoffman that's okay. the that's the thing so um before we hop into yeah. this chart because this could be a daunting chart uh how many of the saws have you seen that would be zero um here's what i know my brother told me when saw first came out that i should watch it at the time i didn't watch scary movies i was too scared they're scary movies still kind of am um so all i know all i knew was and he spoiled it for me he's like i'm never gonna see it so he spoils the big surprise at the end of saw Wow. so unfortunately i know it um and i cannot forget it i just know it so i tried watching it there's a battle going outside it's like what four o'clock it's rush it's getting close to rush hour brooklyn's like that um but so now every time i watch it like i started watching it once and i know like the infamous scene of waking up and then the thing going right down the drain mm -hmm. but i know i've seen the funny like him they don't show what he does at the end but i yeah anyway so I, I i know a lot about saw one i know saw two i've seen parts of it as well i know this guy tosses a girl into a thing of needles mm -hmm. and that's it and I know the boar, because of Dead by Daylight, is from the Saw universe. Gotcha. That's what I know. All right. Well, I took Sam also. We both use this as a date movie. Uh, yeah. So this says a lot about us. But yeah. uh, Sam had never seen any of the Saws either. And she actually, she thought she had it in. She was like, that's the one with the chainsaw. I was like, no, nah. that's Texas Chainsaw. But, <laughs> but you're, you're getting that. But there is a Saw. Like there is a, a saw, yeah. so I explained that to her, and uh, basically, the first saw was uh, created by James Wan and Lee Wennell, and they're the creators of The Conjuring and uh, Insidious, so very big names in horror. And James Wan produced this on a thirty thousand dollar budget. He made a short film uh, to pitch to major studios. And after they saw that, they gave him a million dollars to make the first saw. And he produced it in 19 days. An absolutely crazy, crazy thing if you think about it, and you see the movie. And it is not what I would call a horror movie, even though I would put it as one of my top horror movies of all time. Because it's more of a thriller the later sequels ended up becoming more horror movies. And then as you saw from the chart, once you get the Saw 3, 4, 5, 6, it starts losing a little bit. And what it what I could relate it to is probably Resident Evil, where it starts feeling very cookie cutter. A lot of the middle movies start beginning with where the last one ended and doing a little recap and that kind of thing. So they started getting sloppier towards the middle. The Spiral, the spinoff, was actually pretty cool. I liked it. Um, but what you need to know from the Saw franchise is that everything revolves around John Kramer. Which makes sense. And what you also need to know is Amanda, the accomplice, uh, 
was technically one of the first victims. She appears in the first Saw movie as a victim. And in the second movie, uh, again, from this point on, it's going to be spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She is revealed to be an accomplice. She's the one that gets thrown in the needle pit. Oh. Yeah. So she poses as a player in the second one. And she ends up being one of the accomplices. She, she goes through all that because of John? Yeah. So the Saw franchise is built around the idea that John Kramer is never technically a killer. Which is different from most horror films where, you know, Jigsaw Killer and, you know, Michael Myers, Jason, whatever it is. They're always the killer. But in this one, Jigsaw technically never kills anybody. He just puts them in the position to die, which is what killers do. But continue. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not playing devil fool. Devil yeah. But the idea is, is that he puts them in a contraption that mirrors a wrongdoing that they did either to him or to someone else, and gives them a choice again uh, yeah. to harm themselves a little bit or die. And that is the interesting part that gravitates people towards this franchise that, uh, you know, I hope the torture porn isn't what gravitates people towards this, but you never know. And that's what made the original Saw so interesting because it plays with perspective. And another was the major twist in the film. And with that being said, also more spoilers, uh, Jigsaw and Amanda both die in Saw three wait they're dead after the third movie yes so i mean i get this one was a prequel so is it what they do for all the other ones so um i labeled different killers around the chart over here there's four different accomplices and there's also two unknown accomplices that are still at large so i'm gonna pass this off yeah because i feel like because you seem like you know like a, a lot Wow, you even have body counts. And I have body counts on there. All right, so since you seem to know a lot, I'm sure if I just say a name, you'll know who it is and uh, how they're related. Technically, I put all the major characters there, but there are some that are still, like, you know, not really important, but they're there to set the scene. So basically, uh, to sum up Saw 1 through 9 plus prequels mm-hmm. and uh, spinoffs, uh, John Kramer gets, uh, you know, diagnosed with cancer. Uh, in this one, he goes after the original team that was supposed to get rid of it. In the original Saw, he goes after the person who misdiagnosed it. And from there on, then he goes after different people that have, you know... When you say misdiagnosed it, they told him he didn't have it? Yeah. Okay. They switched the charts by accident, and uh, he went after them. Um, but basically, he went after people who have done wrong against others, and then there's always a series of cops that are trying to find him and like detective tap who i know i've heard that name before and uh depending on who they are most of the time his accomplices are also some of his victims so gordon amanda those eventually became accomplices because after dealing going through a jigsaw puzzle they had a new sense of purpose in life and it became kind of like what's that thing where um when rebirth no no when you have like a prisoner or like someone you tortured and then they oh stockholm they, syndrome yeah so they had stockholm syndrome basically they think that he freed them of their problems and stuff like that and so he, they worship him yeah. and he gave them a new purpose and a new uh life so they end up doing his work and gordon is a doctor so that's how they rigged up a lot of the things to be medical you know yeah medically induced so yeah, so Dr. Lawrence Gordon, Jill, Logan, and Amanda, and Hoffman are all killers. Yes, either killers or accomplices, or they had to don on the mask for a purpose. Okay, you know I know we're spending a lot of time. It's it's just interesting to see and understand. It's kind of be tough because what's his what's the actor's name? Tobin Bell. Yeah, he kills it. Like he's just too good. Oh yeah, he's the voice is perfect, and that's I think the reason why they had to keep doing this is because. He is just pitch perfect. Do you want to play a game? Like, iconic. How many people ran around saying that when it first started? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, we spent a lot of time talking about lore, but it's only, you know, necessary because this is the 10th movie in a series, you know. So keeping things more attached to Saw X, 
Yeah. Initial thoughts. Uh, well, from what I had heard, though I never watched any, I had heard that Saw had just become kind of ridiculous and just all about the murder and the killing and all the crazy things they can come up with more than actually like a story. It's just about here are people, we're going to kill them. It's going to be gruesome. You're going to grab onto your armchair while it happens and you're going to go, ooh. So I never took the franchise seriously. Um, Very similar because, you know, we've been watching the movies for 31 days of Halloween. I watched the original Halloween and it wasn't too bad. I was actually like, okay, this is good. I get why people like it. But I imagine like most of these movies, like Fast X, the more you put into an installment, the more installments, the, the more ridiculous. It's hard to keep up. I mean, even Star Wars in some sense, you know, like they keep adding things. But yeah, so for me, I'm obviously a fan of the franchise and, you know, somewhat regretful about that also because around five, six, seven, it starts losing its theme. But yeah, it's just an interesting series, and I always uh, love the twist endings, uh, but that's somewhat of a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, because now that you know there has to be a twist at the ending, it ruins the twist. Well, a twist for the ending could be that there is no twist. That too. That has to be like one of them you have to do. That just kind of is. Yeah, so the original Saw, absolutely loved it um second one i still think is really really good after that i would call them the rest like okay to below subpar kind of levels but saw 10 saw x i felt like was a return to what the original saw felt like it felt like i was really watching another like another good version of the first one yeah i don't think you could have predicted every twist i think you could have predicted a couple Krista figured out one of them, which I was surprised. Like, I didn't see it coming, but she picked it up. I was impressed because, especially my expectations were not high. I assumed the 10th movie in a franchise could it actually be good. Oh, even as a fan, I saw the trailer and I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah, and they gave, and I was surprised they did hide enough. Good trailer, unlike the other trailer. What trailer did we watch in the movie the other day where, like, it was just the whole movie? Oh, Aquaman 2? What? Oh, gosh. Awful, awful, awful. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I was impressed. I did like the twist. I think some of the twists were good. I don't know if you saw them coming, even though, because you expect them. Did you see any of those coming? Not exactly what was going to happen, but I knew the idea of what was going to happen. Yeah. Cause like I was the, the first thing I thought, I thought the same thing the characters said, like, why is there two there? Okay. So we're, yeah. we're babbling right now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to put a solid spoiler banner yeah. right here, right here. Cause I can't, we're talking a lot of who is, is what. Yeah. Uh, too many pronouns going on. Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay. So when there, I saw like this machine is set up to mess with two people. I was like, but there was only one person. You weren't expecting the other guy. So clearly, this has to be part of something. Yeah. I didn't know how would how would end up, but I'm that's I I said it before the characters did, so I felt good about yeah. that. Yeah. I could we could probably dance around yeah. this without fully spoiling this. I didn't quite think about the two person contraption. But I 100% knew that as soon as one person was tied up, I knew that, yeah, they're definitely a part of this because there's no way. And this is my only gripe with Saw X is that in every movie, even the ones without John Kramer, the Jigsaw Killer is always one step ahead of everybody, no matter what. It's one of the only, I think, horror franchises where the killer always gets away with it. And even when they have to pass the torch to another one because they don't get away with it, there's always a twist. There's always something that says that this is ahead of where you're thinking. And I knew immediately that also given that it's a prequel. Well, yeah, he has to make it. He has to live. I was genuinely curious, like, how how does he make it out? Did you know it was a prequel? I think, yeah, you told me or someone did that because I had also heard that the man died. Okay. Okay. So I heard that like he dies at some point in the franchise. Yeah, so me as a fan, knowing that Tobin Bell and Shawnee Smith, the uh, Kramer and Amanda are there, I know that neither of them can die. So there's somewhat of the Rogue One situation going there. But also at the same token, I know that if he's tying somebody up, I know that he knows something's amiss. Yeah, yeah. so you just know he's always ahead of it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had a sense, and then it also it just it seemed weird and i kind of immediately 
as soon as I clicked it, I was like, he's the one that they called and this and that. So I, I had a sense of what was going on. I just didn't have the exact. And I, I know we're talking a lot about the franchise and stuff, which I don't mind. I'm, I'm actually, because of this movie, I'm kind of, I'm very much interested now. In... You'll, you'll like it because a lot of them are like 90 minutes. Great. And it's puzzles and you're trying to figure stuff out. So I enjoy it's like that. escape room. You love escape room. Yeah, I do. It's a messed up escape room. <laughs> yeah, um, is Amanda the character liked by fans? Oh, she's lo- loved. She is. Okay, because I did like her. But at some point, maybe it was just a performance. I felt like she was a little bit annoying. Yeah, I got that too. It felt It's a tricky thing because part of me hated the performance because it felt whiny or felt too over the top. But then I had to rethink it and think about the character and think about someone that's a former drug addict who went through this experience and now is like a devoted follower and has like that's what her life is about. And I'm like, she is crazy in a lot of these movies and even the events that lead up to her death also lead you to believe that she was like definitely unstable. So it makes sense. So it's definitely not a performance. Thing. Yeah, I know that she sticks with him and that she's the bore and the helper. So I, it made sense. Just a little annoying. My only question is, um, can, are you able to figure out in Saw 2 that she is working with the guy? Or is that just like a not massive twist? Massive twist that we just spoiled for you. Yeah. Was it good? It was good. Okay. I loved the cinematography because as soon as they arrive in Mexico, you know it's Mexico because it's an American movie. And they got to tint that screen orange and yellow. Yeah, why? Because this is an American. I've been to Mexico. It's not like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I texted Peter yesterday. I was like, yo, I just got out of Saw X. And it takes place in Mexico. So you know what that means. And I left it blank. And he's like, yellow and orange. (laughs) All kidding aside, it was actually paced pretty well. I was ready for things to ramp up. I was very confused when I saw that it was two hours. Because... I'm expecting that 90-minute torture porn, very quick cuts, this and that. And they actually did do a lot of homage to the original in the first one with the, the guy that had the thing sticking uh, out of his eyes, the tubes. Mm-hmm. So in the first one, when they had the reverse bear trap, they spun the camera around and they did all those quick cuts and everything. So it felt very, very much a part of the, the original. And then after that, it just slows down. But it's not to a boring state. But it actually takes its time to develop characters and tell a story, which is what some of the others really just kind of speed past. How much time have you, as a fan, spent with John Kramer, the character? You spend a decent amount. I would say this is the one where you spend the most Mo- it, it has to be because I imagine he's probably one of the most interesting characters. He is the guy, right? No matter all these other killers after him. John Kramer, the character, Tobin Bell, right? It's his name. Mm-hmm. Is the face of the franchise, I would have to imagine. And I would think, like, what made this movie great is that if you've been a fan for a long time, you got a lot of screen time, not with John Kramer as Jigsaw, but John Kramer as John Kramer. Yeah. And the thing about this one that differs from a lot of the yeah. other ones is that the other ones are trying to paint a good picture for the victims. They're trying to make you empathize with them. This one went the other way. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, like, I was rooting for John. I hate to say it. Like, yeah, the the other ones, they do feature bad people, and some of them, you know, screwed him over. But they still make it so that you're still rooting for the victims. In this one, you're somewhat, but you really don't care about them at all, especially the the lead. Well, yeah, they did my number one thing you don't do which is steal and it's a big scam so you already know where i stand i was like now obviously you know does that merit what you put them through probably not uh even if you're not the one doing it but um well let's see out of the victims which one did you feel the most sorry for if any well i guess the one who like the one who i saw off their own leg like dude that was messed up i felt like the other ones like brain guy oh brutal brutal i don't know i didn't feel bad for any of them I think I only felt bad for Gabriella, the one that was yeah, yeah, yeah. with the, the radar yeah. gun. Right. Other than that, I really didn't sympathize. And I think it's because of the drug addict uh, yeah. ad-lib. Yeah. Performance-wise, Tobin Bell is stealing every scene. Shawnee Smith is a little... little that's Amanda. Okay. Uh, I would say is a little off for me, but yeah. I don't think she did a bad job. Yeah, I think... I Yeah. 
I think the character is supposed to be a little bit like that. Maybe a little bit over the top, like you said. I think you gave a fair uh, description of the role, the performance. And I think the the evil lady did a great job. Solid job. Solid. Because uh, I hate her. Yeah, hate her. Maybe a little campy at times. Towards the end. Towards the, the end, yeah. Is like the way the middle of the franchise gets, it gets very Scooby-Doo very quickly. Okay, well, it's kind of hard to not to with all this, but she yeah. gets a little Scooby-Doo-ish. That's a good word for it. But I still think throughout the whole time, like her encouraging people, part of me is like, I never even considered, oh, more money for you. My thought was like, she's just really assessing the situation well, because the whole time she's still trying to get out of it. Like we know she's a liar and she's looking like, guys, the only way we're getting out of this, we, we just got to do it. Uh, Saw, where you, you have it on your 31 days mm-hmm. of Halloween. And I already said that it's probably one of my favorite horror films of all time, but I also don't classify it as a horror film. Do you, would you? Well, it's funny if you were just bringing up the genre of horror, what do you, how would you define it? Uh, oh, it's a great philosopher thing is ping pong you back with another question. Because I think how people define horror um, varies. And for me, a horror film is usually a terrible, nightmarish nightmarish situation where horrible things occur, usually revolving around your life or death situation. Usually horror involves a, a force of some kind that is bearing down on you and is relentless and brutal and wants you to suffer. In one aspect, it is a horror film. In another aspect, it is more of a thriller. Yeah. And more of a noir kind of mystery kind of sense thing. Especially with the first one because it was about finding out who Jigsaw is and discovering why they were in that room. Because to paint you a picture of the first one, two men wake up in a room, pitch black. When the lights actually do come on, they realize they are both chained to a radiator or a pipe and... There's a saw in the middle of the room, a dead body in the middle of the room, and that's it. And they have to figure out how to find the tapes. They don't have the the puppet that rolls in on this one. Yeah. They have to actually look around the room for clues, like an escape room in a sense, to figure out how to get out of there. And one of them knows that the way to get out of there is also to figure out how they got in there. And it's a mystery. After you find out who Jigsaw is, and in the later movies, you know, with the accomplices, sometimes you don't know who Jigsaw is, the characters at least, but the audience was somewhat clued in most of the time. So I think the element of mystery was taken out of this one, and that is the element that also introduces horror. Because I think of think of the idea of waking up in a room with a random stranger, both of you yeah. were chained to a pipe and you have no idea how to get yeah. out of there and there's a dead body in the uh, middle of the room a nightmare situation that's yeah. a nightmare situation that would scare the death at, uh uh the hell out of you yeah i think the potential like the intent of a horror flick is to scare you the job of every every scene every cut is meant to scare and horrify you and this one yeah. also deviates from the modus operandi modus operandi did i mispronounce it too yeah it's it's an italian roman word it's it's D, like modus operandi. Well, this one also deviates <laughs> from the modus operandi. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong too in the middle, but it's fine. Indeed. It's M O. That's what M O stands for. Don't take this away. From me. I'm <laughs> trying to say this word. All right, all right. You say it. This one also deviates from its M O because Jigsaw also is never really taunting his victims. Never looks them in the eyes. So in this one, it felt a little bit different. To have Amanda keep walking through the room and plopping things down. I know it was part of the process, but part of the horror was that usually the victims never see who's behind the curtain. Yeah, well, this felt like a quick and dirty. Like, it didn't, that's like, like, he knows they're going to leave. He knows, like, you know, that he might not have time to catch them. So this, to me, it felt like a true in-between film that we haven't seen before. Because John knows he doesn't have a lot of time. He doesn't know how he's going to get them. So he's got to be quick and it's not going to be clean cut as normal. I think that's the only gripes that I have is it just feels very different from him. But to answer your question that you ping ponged, I think the horror element is not knowing. And for them to see the people, yes, it is still scary to be, you know, essentially tortured by these people. But I feel like that element of horror lessened. 
and yeah. now it's more of a thriller and it's about the torture and stuff like that yeah uh, i think my only issue with the movie is some of the campiness uh some of the writing i do agree i think it's paced excellently but i think like some of the torture and stuff is just like blown out of proportion and you know. I mean, if you refer back to the chart real quick, yeah. uh, the body counts, as you can see, uh, go up higher and lower as the series goes on. So, twenty-seven. If you could read those out for the audience, okay. Starting in chronological order means we're starting with Jigsaw. Sixteen. Saw the original. Six. Saw two. Nine. Saw three. Ten. Wait, there's six people die in Saw the first one. I've never got past the two guys in the room. <laughs> All right. Uh, saw three, 10. Saw four, also 10. Saw five, six people. Saw six, 13 victims. Saw seven, 27 victims. Spiral had eight. So as you can see, as time went on, saw seven really... I mean, technically, some of them weren't were in tortured. Some of them yeah. were just gassed out, but... You but... didn't... And so saw X, how many was it? Um, If I had to think of it, it was like... Four people chained up. The one guy who shows up afterwards is five. And if you count the little dream sequence in the beginning? No, I don't. Because they didn't actually die. Five. Five. I don't count Dream Boy. Do you count Dream Boy? Does that count? I would count Dream Boy because that, that's an interesting contraption. Before we uh, end yeah. this, any uh, scenes that stick out to you? I mean, no joke. The girl sawing off her own leg. I. Because I don't think I've ever seen anything this intense for gore. I really wanted to throw up. Like, I was genuinely not good. Yeah, see, I feel a little desensitized having seen all the yeah. saws. Um, that didn't do it for me, but the, the head chopping did. And I think the cranium one. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It made me, like, twinge. But the scene that sticks out to me, man, I just liked everything that involved just walking around with John Kramer. Like, I the torture was whatever. I think the highlight is watching John want to protect the young kid, you mm -hmm. know? I really like that that last part between them too. Yeah, it really obviously never seen the franchise. I'm just making assumptions, but making Kramer seem really human, it it's tough. It's a tough movie. Actually, I'll give it that one thing also in terms of surprises. I did not see pull becoming such an important word to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. They do you can in some movies they do that and you're like, "Okay, this is going to matter later." did not see like yeah how is this kid gonna get involved and he does that's interesting yeah so it ties it all up and so let's go for final thoughts and ratings final thoughts and ratings i'll go first i think this is a great addition to the franchise i think if you're a saw fan it's definitely worth your time also if you're not even a saw fan because my girlfriend when she saw it uh i always i always get uh a laugh when i saw say i saw saw yeah yeah it's always it's funny but she saw none of the saws before and she was actually really invested in it she actually really liked it and she was rooting against the victims story is really good i think it's uh very paced very well it's an enjoyable film it's not a horror film i would say it's definitely more of a thriller if it if you're uh someone that gets sick easily i would not watch it but Overall, I had a really good time with it. I think my only gripe with it is that the ending came off a little predictable mm. and the twist wasn't twisted enough for me, I guess. So I'm going to give this a four out of five. It's my first Saw movie, so my expectations were really low. and I'm trying not to let my low expectations because it was much better than I thought it was going to be, like outweigh it and give it a bump. But I think it's tough to find a fault in this movie. I just don't think it's... Like, it's not going to win any awards. It's not going to, you know, it is a movie. It movies, but it movies well. And I don't, I think it's worth your time. It doesn't have such a convoluted plot. Its story is pretty simple. Um, but it did entertain me. And I think, I can't say about the other ones, but if you've never watched Saw before, this might get you interested as to what's going on. And I think for the 10th installment in a franchise to get me interested says a lot about Saw. And so there was only one number I had in mind for it, and that is a four. Uh, I knew that going, like, that was a four that I just watched. No debate, pretty easy for me. And believe it or not, but after the break, we will be talking about The Exorcist Believer.
Hey, you're listening to Take 303, and this would be the time where we do a silly ad or something like that, but uh, we're actually going to talk about something pretty serious today. We try not to get into social issues. We try not to, you know, hurt too many people's feelings besides actors or movie directors, Uh, but today, you know, we want to really bring up an important issue. We want to talk about women not being represented in, in you know, proper spaces, but leaving equality for everyone, and so we are starting a organization, I guess, maybe just an awareness cause. It's Women for Demons. If you just take a look at the chart here you take a look at the stats you'll see 98 percent of demons are written either either as male or gender non-conforming that means only two percent of all demons in movies and media are represented as women so we at fort Wayne media are taking the charge we are leading the cause we want to see more women represented in hell we want women for hell and in hell so we can see them on the big screen causing chaos causing mayhem and ruining everybody's day so please Take the time, stop what you're doing, give us $5. Just if you give us $5, we will make sure we can get more women demons, female-led demons onto the big screen. And it's just the emotion that's pouring out of me because I'm just tired of the injustice that's been going on. Even in The Nun 2, uh, the demon was a guy, and we're very happy that women empowerment are crushing demons these days, but we also want to see other women crushing other women so support the podcast when you do you are also supporting getting female demons on the big screen go to menarehell.com slash women empowerment and you can help fight the cause to get more female representation in demonic places thank you and please enjoy the rest of the episode this episode is powered and sponsored by fort way media whether it's a special event your wedding day or maybe a small business looking to make an advertisement or commercial. 4-Way Media is the obvious choice. They turn everyday life into a cinematic experience. When you want to capture those special moments, look no further. Stop what you're doing. Check out fortwaymedia.com. Book an appointment today and don't miss out on another chance to get what you want in front of the big screen. Whether it is expert videography or photography, Fortway Media can match exactly what you're looking for. Fortway Media is known for helping out small businesses and everyone reach their dreams. Sign up today. All right, now we're back. And before we hop into The Exorcist Believer, we have this week's What If. And since JP, you've become an Al Pacino connoisseur since the last episode. Yeah, not by choice, but by virtue of the pod. Yeah. This week's question is, what if Michael Corleone, his famous role from The Godfather, was played by Jack Nicholson? I think the character would have... Like, Michael Corleone is so stiff. As a character, I remember him being, like, just like a goody two-shoe and, you know, by-the-rules kind of guy. I feel like Jack would have just been more wild. Like, I feel like they would have had a right... Like, Michael Corleone is a wild son who, like, or just, like, a nonchalant, doesn't care kind of son who gets roped in and, like, has to transform and be more than he is. Because Jack, you know, Jack brings some pizzazz. Like, we, I think, associate with him with Batman. And we associate with... uh, Departed. The Departed and uh, Anger Management. And that is our view of Jack Nicholson. At least for our generation, yeah. I think. But then we forget that he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And he's actually done, like, serious, serious work. I'm actually kind of interested in what this could have been. Because I feel like he could have been serious enough to play the role, for sure. But in his explosive scenes. In the second yeah. movie, in the second movie, uh, not to spoil the masterpiece that I hope you one day watch. Probably not. There's a scene where Pacino goes off. And he unleashes hell. And very similar to uh, the phone call in uh, Dog Day Afternoon, where he like just starts yelling and everything. And his voice gets uh, raspier over time, Al Pacino, because now he has the, oh, you know. Kind hey, of come on! <laughs> so it fits him better uh, as he mo- moves on in life. But he goes off on his wife in one scene. Well, he shouldn't have slept with that girl in Italy, maybe. Maybe she wouldn't have got so hard in the bait. I don't know what it was, but... I'd be interested to see Jack Nicholson do something like that. My association, my first experience with Jack Nicholson um, was in Red Rum, Red Rum. Oh, The Shining. The Shining. That was my first experience with Jack. So most people, when they do over-the-top crazy, we laugh at them. When Jack Nicholson does it, you believe it. Yeah, and the thing is, I think Shining was after Godfather. I think if he took this role, it also would have changed what roles he would have gotten. Yeah. 
if we flipped it around and we said like the the multiverse you know became yeah. a thing uh could al pacino play jack nicholson's part in the departed well i will say this any given sunday uh was my first al pacino film my guy you you're hiding how many movies you've been watching of this guy I didn't realize that I, because when I like did the, I mimicked him, because there are gonna be good days and there are gonna be bad days. Uh, yeah, okay. I know he can bring up the flare, and obviously Scarface, he brought up that too. So I think it would have been, I think the only thing about Pacino is that he's a shorter guy, right? And Jack Nicholson, not only does he have a big persona, but like his whole presence, there's something about him where he really takes up the screen. I think Pacino. And he's like a little bit more rugged. I think Pacino's like a little bit too slick and clean. By the time you get to late Al Pacino, he does kind of look like a rag doll. Uh, so Al Pacino right now could do it. Yeah. I think. Uh, it's worth noting on a side note that Al Pacino is 82 and he's having a kid next year with his 30 year old girlfriend. Now, remember when you said that phrase, get the bag? She got that godfather bag. She got that dog day afternoon. She bag. got that dog in her. <laughs> she did. She, she got the dog in her. She... Okay, well, enough about Al Pacino, because after that. Shout that... out to our man, Al Pacino. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You're my dog. Oh. But enough about Al Pacino. Let's talk about The Exorcist Believer, directed by David Gordon Green. Starring Leslie Odom Jr., Ann Dowd, Jennifer Nettles, Norbert Lee Butts, Lydia Jewett, Olivia Markham, and Ellen Bernstein. Exorcist Believer follows the story of a father whose daughter goes out into the woods one day with one of her friends. When she shows up three days later and is thinks she's only been gone for three hours, things go from bad to worse as she starts uh, clearly showing signs of possession. The father, as well as the other girl who went missing and her family, band together to try to cure both of the girls of their possession. They call in some old friends. Well, they call in some people from the previous Exorcist movie to help them out. And that is what Exorcist Believer is all about. And initial first thoughts. The more I sit here and think, the more I don't like this movie. Yeah. Um, after digesting a little bit, uh, I, I was thinking it was just okay, and now I'm rethinking. I think the problem with this movie is that it's a genre that has been so abused and so just run through the gutter and through the mud that, unfortunately, it's hard to give this movie a lot of praise. It's a follow-up to what is considered the greatest horror movie of all time. And have you seen the original? I have not. I... I think I've seen it only once before. I've definitely seen clips, and I've seen uh, it parodied so many times, especially at the beginning of Scary Movie 2, which is hysterical. I've seen that, um, yeah. I rewatched it this morning, uh, The Exorcist, but also the beginning of Scary Movie 2 because it's hysterical. And seeing one before the other, it's really hard not to compare, so we're going to do it. And it really just doesn't stand up so it's interesting because I think horror movies, what make them great or what makes them scary is that how realistic things look. But maybe I'm just wrong about that. What about like the Exorcist made it, the original made it better? I feel like there wasn't enough done in the genre at the time where it was seen as such as original iconic thing. And for us, we get an Exorcism movie every year. Sometimes two, sometimes three. I think, what, we're up to the third one this year? Yeah, so, and right now, um, Demons have been defeated by women empowerment twice. Women two, demons zero. Oh, it's crazy, man. What a, that's how you know we're in a new era. Watch any exorcism movie from a time and you'll know what's going on in the world at that time. <laughs> the culture has changed. But yeah, no, just to paint you a picture of what happens here, there is a circle of people trying to figure out what to do about these two girls that are, that are clearly possessed. There is a priest that says he cannot do it because he's not allowed to do the it. The dia the yeah, the diocese said he couldn't, they won't allow him to participate. There is a pastor who is just for some reason not even asked. Yeah. And then there is a woman who has no affiliation with the church, and she's like, I'll do it. Well, I mean, she does have affiliation. She's the one who goes to get the priest, but she's not 
she is Catholic. She, she, she is Catholic, and she almost became a nun, but she is not a nun. She's not a nun. She's a nun thing. Nun thing. Wow, that's really good. It's just a, a thing that, like, literally they had to pass the torch just to make sure. And they actually do mention the patriarchy in this, too. Yeah, the word patriarchy is used. That's how you know we're in 2023. If you, How many times can you say patriarchy? Boom, it's been done. The exorcist believer. I think we should do a tally, like, every time we review a movie. Just if the patriarchy is mentioned in this movie, just check it out. Yeah, we gotta start bringing a bingo card. A take three hundred three <laughs> movie bingo card is the pa- free space right above it in the middle column is the patriarchy mentioned. I mean, we could have started Aquaman bingo in the trailer when a person from his past comes back for revenge against his family. Wait a minute. What if we make bingo cards for Aquaman and we review them on the podcast? <laughs> That would be a great idea. I, I love it. Just all the things that we constantly talk about. If the patriarchy <laughs> gets mentioned in the yeah. Aquaman movie. And ladies and gentlemen, this is how you know it wasn't that great of a movie. Nick and I are talking about everything but, but the, movie. the movie. So Nick, favorite scene? I think probably my favorite scenes are the openings of the, the opening of the film because it was different. Even though there's a lot of talk about faith in this film, it was definitely more done with that in the first one we'll get to it but like the faith aspect they really turned it more to like a community aspect yeah so that's what i'm saying is like in the first one uh it was definitely about catholicism it was about the faith good versus evil that kind of thing and in this one they kind of like spread it out to make sure everybody's inclusive and everybody's included but my favorite part of the film was probably the opening because in the first one it if you are not paying attention you completely miss the scene where they show how it could have happened and they never actually say that that's how it happened but this one is very direct and they tell you this is how it happened and this is how they got it um so i like the opening because it reminded me a lot of prisoners and it's like these two girls they go missing and it's very it's it's an interesting topic and then I felt like there were so many ways to rewrite. At least as far as like favorite scenes or what's working for me in this movie, I think the favorite uh, scene is when the dad, when the first night she comes home and the dad like getting attacked, like really scared me and really did a great job with it. So I really like that scene a lot. But as far as what's working for me, I think this movie... I was okay with it, but I don't know what's happening. It's just like falling apart in my head. So I think here's what yeah. I feel at least. I think it's an okay horror film. I think it it movies. It movies. It does all the things that it needs to do to be a movie. But I think the horror aspect is also something that dips away. There was nothing that really scared me because other than, you know, that tense sequence, which uh, you talked about everything is something we've seen before yeah it's hard to even think about how they film some of the things that they filmed especially for its time so i think that's what added to that yeah. but for this it just feels like we saw the pope's exorcist or we saw uh insidious or we saw i think it's one of the better ones it's pretty serious it doesn't besides like some of the dialogue which is whatever watching i think yeah and that's the thing is like i it's so basic, but there are enough surprises. Like, for example, the woman from the original Exorcist getting her eyes stabbed did not see that coming. Mm-hmm. So I thought... Spoiler. Yeah, who cares? Uh, we spoil it. They know. Um, so that was interesting. Like, I really didn't think they would harm her in any way because one of the things about like being a character from an older movie in the series, like you can't be hurt. Like That's your thing. So that was interesting. I think even the ending was kind of interesting. So I think what bothers me and what my issue is that is this is a movie, I've seen it before, nothing wowed me, but they did have enough twists and turns or things I wasn't seeing expecting that I think for the most part work out. Overall, it looks great. It's a great looking film. I think the makeup job is also really good as well. I think there's enough tension in the film where it can keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, there was one jump scare that got both of us. Yeah. And they didn't need the shh sound. I do think that the emotional impact of the film with the reduction of the priest role plays a part in it. It just feels like lesser. But the father, the dad is carrying this movie hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is Leslie Odom, right? Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah, he's carrying this movie hard. And I will say the kids I thought did a pretty good job too, but the makeup team really is the one who wins it. If that's even real makeup, I wonder if it's all just CGI'd. Yeah, I would like to believe real makeup because they did a great job too. You know who infuriated me in this movie? The, the the white parents. The dad, yeah. They go to mass after their kid went missing for three days, and they'll go straight up to the altar without their kid in hand. Like, you would think you would just be, like, latched on to this child at this point. Well, yeah, they're just bad at parenting. Uh, this really just shows off. I took it more, not necessarily why, just, like, American parenting. Mm-hmm. Just American parents just not watching their kids and just, yeah. Um, it's all about not necessarily relying on a church or a particular denomination and saying how it's defeated, how it's going to defeat the demon. It's about coming together as a community and working together, which I got to say for 2023 is a pretty good, they don't overtly like bash it over your head. It just seems like, yeah, we, we need all powers here to step in. Yeah. And they kept reminding you that every culture, every religion yeah. has basically the same uh, yeah. thing in common. Uh, my only thing is like, I a hundred percent agree with you that, you know, the focus is about challenging your faith, yeah. but I think the first one takes it because you're challenging a priest's faith, which I think is a little bit harder. And so, so like the dynamic there, cause I haven't seen it is the priest trying to find the courage and the strength to like pull up and do well, his it's, job. It's a priest that's literally trying to leave. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's like, like, he's not really like into this life and he wants to get out of it. And then they, they approach him with this case and they're like you have to do this yeah and for the 70s that's got to be like also like unheard of Mm -hmm. uh especially how much influence church has at that time so wow that's interesting the kids as demons are pretty terrifying i think overall they are freaky i also think that they didn't do enough oh the kids being evil yeah like um in the first one they showed a lot of different things over a series of time this one they like the faces change on them immediately. Yeah. So the the first one, I was I was watching the clock as it happened. Uh, the girl's face doesn't change until probably about halfway through the movie. Yeah. For this one, it's sped up. Yeah. Everything feels a little quick. I don't mind it because they're not sta- staying on anything too long. I think the issue with movies like this one is because it's so overdone they spend too much time on things like i've seen this before just move on to the next thing referencing your years as a seminarian yeah yeah, yeah. based on your background yeah what did you think about the film so they got a lot of things right in theory and thought they got a lot of things wrong in practicality particularly with um (laughs) one thing they got they got a few things right Uh, i thought first off like demons knowing your past sins and stuff that's pretty much what's taught and believed, and so that was cool. The investigation part, getting approval from the diocese, something I've talked about before, also true. The only thing I didn't understand was this could be bad for us. I was like, why? <laughs> that's not like that's that's what we that's what you do. Also, as it's not yeah. a major spoiler. Yeah. Um, but in the original, uh, one of the priests is the reason why the demon actually exists. They uh they're the one they uncover an artifact in the beginning yeah and it uh, it releases the demon yeah uh another thing that they got right is like messing with occult type stuff though the girls don't necessarily like have any particular like they have that pendulum thing right pendulum yeah yeah so like messing with artifacts could lead to this um yeah the one thing they kind of got wrong in depicting uh based on what i've been taught and know is like how fast everything ramps up which is usually not the case Messing with, like, holy objects and stuff, though normally true, one thing that the demon cannot do, uh, which I, which they say is God has the, in the, in the teaching is God is the author of life and death. So demons can't actually kill people. It's when people give up or lose faith or surrender to the demon. That's when people die. People have to die of their own accord. So that's the only thing they got wrong. And they did that to two people in this movie. So... Beyond that, though, most of the stuff was pretty good. I like that the priest shows up in a cardigan. That I see that a lot. I've seen that a lot. Uh, the only other thing that they could have, you know, an inaccuracy, but for us would make for the average moviegoer make sense, is that priest wouldn't have done the exorcism. They usually get the one exorcist guy to do it, who's in the area. Like there's one guy trained for it. Um, and not sure how the 
you know, church would have felt about all these other, you know, religions in there doing their thing. Other Christian ones, sure. Non-Christian, I don't know, but they all... For the most part, it was good, I thought. Some things, not so much. But yeah, I only uh, bring up the, uh, the yeah. original priest because it's also an interesting dynamic because he had to face the demon that he basically like let loose. Very interesting. Yeah. So also another interesting dynamic. You have one priest that released the demon by accident and another priest that is doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And it is all about faith. And what I liked about this movie that I think they got right is that if you show any sign of weakness or if you don't have true faith while you're in there, you will lose and the demon will not be exercised. That is one thing that Harbin, you really need to have strong faith and true will to battle it out. It really is a battle. And so I like the fact that ultimately in the end, they kind of won, not the good guys. Like it kind of ends very tragically um, because I really like don't want to blame the dad, but the, the white parents, the dad doesn't really uh, step up to the plate. Do you believe in exorcisms? To ask the question, do you believe in exorcisms? Would first, do you believe in demons? Yeah, I believe them. Yeah, and so I believe and I believe exorcisms work. Yeah. So you believe that demons exist and they can possess people and that exorcisms are real? Yes, but possession is extremely, 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 extremely rare. Full possession. The way it's, everyone thinks that um, the way demonic attacks happen, like the way they describe movies, like it's like you touch one thing and you're fucking you're gone. <laughs> Most demonic things that i think happen at least how it's been taught and explained to me is people are attacked something is following them something is like ruining their life but they have not fully surrendered over moving on to final thoughts and ratings sure for a movie of a genre that i don't particularly like that i'm definitely burnt out from i think it's one of the better ones even if i start thinking about it as we come back, I started hating on it a little bit more, but I still think it does a good job considering all the garbage that's out there. Uh, I'm still okay with the movie. I think it really comes down to a two or a three, and I don't. I think that's really where you have to sit and fall. And I think just because of the way they did things, I am, and because of the ending um, not being just a happy ending and things go on, I am going to give it a three. And it didn't look like there might be a sequel. So, um, yeah, there is a. The Exorcist Deceiver to come out. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think okay and mid are the right words for this. It feels very average. doesn't feel like it's doing anything different except for maybe the ending. Um, but also while comparing it to the original, I'm stuck in between the same two numbers as you. And having seen the original, especially so close to this one, um, I'm going to have to lean a two out of five. I think it's just like it does some good things, not enough. It's not as scary as I thought it could be. Uh, I found the original to be a little bit scarier. And I think just the emotional depth in the first one just like ranks higher. Two is one of the toughest ratings to give out. I feel like out of all the ratings, like I wish this was out of four. Uh, our race, but I'm glad that's out of five. I do like five, but... I think two is the hardest rating to give out to it because you're saying it's bad, but it's not good. Yeah, because it had like one or two is bad, but there's redemption in the badness. But sometimes some things are so bad it's hard to redeem a movie. Like the Pope's Exorcist, Russell Crowe is the two. He's the two you want. Like that movie should be a five, but I can't give it to it. But Russell Crowe get lets me give it a two anyway. Let's just create a new podcast it's about <laughs> movies that are rated two, two out of five. five. We're reviewing them. <laughs> We're only giving them twos. Two. Yeah, but in the two verse. So it's 2.0 to 2.9. It's really... <laughs> no, it's really one of the more dominant twos out there. I really think you should go see it. <laughs> if you're looking for a bad movie, but maybe top of the charts bad, this is it. Like it's It's like Mike. Yeah, but it's also the rookie. That's a great two. Like Mike is another great two movie. See, I know what you're talking about. I know the twos. Agent Cody Banks is a one. <laughs> I think. But Agent Cody Banks, Destination London. That's a two. That's a good two. This has been an episode of Take Three or Three. Thanks so much for watching. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Take Three O Three. Make sure you're following us on Spotify. Of course, leave a rating if you haven't already. Those help us out a lot. This week's poll question is. 
So of the demon slash possession movies that have come out this year, our poll question is, which of those do you find to be the best? You can check it out. Do it right now on Spotify. Go answer that poll question. We'd love to see what people think. And this week's question of the week is, have you seen the original Exorcist? And how do you think this one holds up to the new one? And uh, if you aren't going to see the new one, why aren't you going to see it? We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So let us know. And thanks for watching. Bye-bye. So this week's question of the week is, and it would have been our poll question, but there are way more Saw movies than there are options on Spotify polls. So what is your favorite Saw movie? And tell us why. Don't just say the movie. Give us some reasons. We like to hear them.